Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I'm Ken Levine, your podcast host. This is part two of my interview with Preston Beckman. He is a media consultant, also the chairman of the Beckman Group, and for 20 years was at NBC during the must-see TV era and 15 years at Fox. You also may know him on Twitter as The Masked Scheduler. Talking about the state of the industry, the ever-changing state of the industry, and when we last left our heroes last week, and if you missed last week, after you listen to this, go back and check that out, but we're talking about comedy and the lack of comedy on broadcast networks. What is the future of sitcoms? Also, what is the future of sports, of streaming, programming, strategies, to be all kinds of things get discussed in this next half-hour segment? So that's this week. Preston Beckman right here on Hollywood and Levine. Now, Networks are always concerned, well, single camera, multi-camera, are multi-cameras dead, etc. And I contend that for a large part of the audience, maybe 80 or 90% of the audience, they don't care whether it's single camera or multi-camera. They're not going, oh my God, it's, it's multi-camera. They they do recognize bad laugh tracks. Yes. yes. Okay. That is a turnoff. Yes. But if, you know, look at some of the most successful shows ever and shows that are, you know, enduring, like Friends are so just thought- a multi-camera retro show. But the audience was really laughing and the jokes were really funny. I don't yeah. think the audience goes, oh, my God. Oh, my God. There's four cameras instead of one. I can't enjoy this. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think the the, the difference is that um, single camera usually allows the creators to be a little more dramatic. I guess, I mean, it's a little bit more film-like. So with, with the single camera, you start to get, a, I think, you get away, You one can get away from the funny a little bit and get into the the, uh, you know, dramedies and the sadities and the warmities and the, you know, we're, we're making a little film here. We're not making funny. Whereas with with multi-camera, um, until you get into the really bad laugh tracks, you're making something where 
uh, the audience is constantly being told, you know, you're supposed to be laughing at this. <laughs> I'm not going to mm-hmm. force you to laugh at it, but there are laughs here. And um, if, if you have the right show, like a Seinfeld or Friends or Roseanne, you know, those laughs are authentic and they're real and you're, you're laughing along with the audience as opposed to being told you should be laughing. Right, right. And audiences want to laugh. Yes. And I think there is sort of an expectation if you're going to watch a sitcom that you want to laugh. And oh, it's I interesting agree. to me that some of these shows, especially more so like on the um, streaming networks, you know, where they're basically a drama and there'll be a couple of sort of funny moments or amusing moments. And and yet they build themselves as a comedy. Right. And then there is some single camera that are hilarious, mm-hmm. like uh, what we do in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, last, this weekend, we watched the first two episodes of Hacks. Mm-hmm. And we were cackling. I mean, it's hilarious. There's a show called Working Moms on um, Netflix, which is, is funny. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily that you need the laugh track, and and you're the right. Shaw's uh, on it, Netflix. Yeah, it's just it's it's a little simplistic. I'm just saying with uh, with single cameras, you, you with multi camera, you have less uh, opportunity to get dramatic. And by the way, when you do, it's usually it can be very very effective. Yeah, we did <laughs> it know, on with, Cheers. We did oh, it on yeah. Frasier. Yeah, with this, you suddenly suddenly you're not hearing the laugh; you're hearing the silence. Mm-hmm. And, and you're silent. And uh, so it works both ways. We had a moment in the first year of Cheers and the coach's daughter where the coach mm. says something mm. very poignant to, to his daughter. Yes. And the audience saw that as a joke and it got a huge laugh from the audience. We took the laugh out. I you know the, I remember that episode. Yeah, we took yeah. the laugh out because it interfered with the, right. you know, emotional content yeah. of the scene, and that was more important to us mm-hmm. than getting a big laugh. Yes, right. You got enough of them. Cheers. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You, you could afford to give one up. Well, one thing about comedies, as opposed to our dramedies or dramas, they're cheaper. So uh, you would think that that well. I I put a pin in that and say, if you have a big hit show like Big Bang Theory and you're paying enormous above the line to everybody involved, then yes, it's really expensive. But just generally, Call Me Cat has to be cheaper than 911 to make. Right. What you you have to hope for is you get something where, where, like a two broke girls, for instance, just to throw one out, where, where the cast is relatively unknown. They're not making a lot of money and you have them tied up for two or three years before you have to start paying. And by that point, uh, you, there might be a few of them. You go, well, you know, you're going to you're going to get you're going to die in a kitchen fire. And, you know, you're mm-hmm. going to and, you know, you can replace some people with, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But once you get to the Big Bangs and the Friends and um, the, the Seinfelds, um, yeah, they they are not cheap by episode by season four five six it's not now the way the model used to be is that yeah it's expensive but 
once you have 100 plus episodes, you're going to sell off to syndication and you're going to make tons and tons of money on the show going forward. But that model has kind of changed now too, hasn't it? Yeah, and just just to follow up for one second on on the the cost of the hits, the way uh, as someone who scheduled two networks, the way you uh, made money off of the hits was but with by the shows behind them. Ah. So in other words, mm-hmm. if you had um, a Cheers and then you had a Wings, Wings was a decent show, and and would, would at back in the day mm-hmm. <laughs> would watch linear. You know, Wings would get a huge rating, and I mean the way. We made our money at NBC was those 8.30 and 9.30 uh, satellite shows, which were far cheaper than the expensive shows. But when you're when you're selling in the upfront, you don't go, well, this costs three million an episode. And this costs eight million an episode. So I'm going to charge you four times. It doesn't work like that. So that's how you make money. Um, but you asked me another question and I... Uh, the model has changed and uh it used to be that you know when you made 100 episodes you crossed the river jordan and everybody got wildly rich and everybody was able to buy their own planes now that's not the case now the local independent stations are saying why are we spending all this money for seinfeld when you can see it on 14 other platforms right yeah, I, I, I mean that's that's the nature of the business now. I mean, you don't wait any longer. I mean, you, you go right from airing on uh, broadcast to streaming in some capacity, whether it's uh, like a Hulu is the next day, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Hulu's kind of replaced the DVR, uh, so um, uh, things you know uh, a year be uh, the CW model with Netflix, which has just changed, but was we, okay after a year it's it's on um uh Netflix uh their shows uh a lot of shows uh come on right before their next season that's what better call Saul does shows mm-hmm. like that so it's a it's a very it's a very different world that we live in now and now we're getting into the uh, fast channels where again you know stuff that used to go to um, syndication now winds up on Tubi uh, or winds up on Freebie, Amazon Freebie or things like that. So, so the whole, the whole business is changing like that. So there's no syndication has become kind of irrelevant. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the shows that go into syndication are the big, big hits, you know, like the sun, you know, but, but, but anything less than that, you're not going to, just not going to bother. Let's talk about Tubi for a second. Uh, I believe that's Fox that owns Tubi, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. They have a different model in that all of their stuff is free, but they're commercial based. Correct. And they're doing very well, aren't they? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people don't mind commercials, you know, and they, and it's free. The the content is free. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, they're not paying $15 a month. Uh, and, um, you know, the, the number one rule of television is there are only 24 hours in the day. And that's been true in the 1950s when it started. It's true to this very day. Was that so true in the 20- middle ages? I'm not sure. Uh, well, there wasn't television. Back then. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's, um, that's how much there is and you can't, uh, so if, uh, if, 
I don't want to pay. Uh, everything is, and it, well, the other thing is, everything's going to wind up free at some point. Another by free, I mean, you know, if you if you're not if you want to um, pay uh, for, for for a premium channel, those things will wind up somewhere where you're not going to pay. And there's mm-hmm. enough product out there where I can wait when I, uh, uh, until something's cheaper or I don't have to pay for it while I'm catching up on all the other things. Uh, I'm sure you like me, you know, I have a list of 30 or 40 shows that I go, okay, at some point I'll get around to seeing those shows, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's not like, uh, it's not FOMO for most people, you know, where it's like, like, oh my God, if I don't, uh, you know, usually uh, like Better Call Saul is a show I have to watch the day it it comes, but that's the only one, you know, everything else I'll either wait a while or whatever, even like, um, you know, the, the streamers are now trying to figure out the difference between binging and dropping weekly. And there, I'm sure that's still something that's, you know, being worked out. You know, do I, do I want, will I watch a show like hacks every week or do I want to hold on to them and wait until they all drop and then sit down and watch them all. You know, those are issues that are happening now um, among the streamers, but yeah, but to be, I mean, again, there's a, there's enough stuff there, and it's cheap. Every, I mean, they're com- they don't pay a lot for what they have, mm-hmm. and um, you know, if if you hear of it and you've never heard of it, and you go, "Well, I'm not paying for it." Same thing with free VTV, and you're going to see you're going to see more and more of those those sorts of things uh, where it's like I'll I'll get there, and uh, oh, here's here's five comedies I never got around. To watching or here's a bunch of movies that i always wanted to watch and okay i'll sit through the commercials and and it's more lucrative because you can't fast forward through them that's right well but at least the commercials on tubi seem to be at kind of a minimum mm-hmm. uh i too am a huge better call saul fan mm-hmm. and i record it and then yes. watch it and just fast forward through the commercials. And a few weeks ago I was in New York and didn't have the benefit of that, but I wanted to see yes. better call Saul. So I watched it live. Oh my God, oh, yeah. what an ordeal. And, and I'm thinking to myself, if I'm an advertiser, why do I want to spend anything more than $42 to be the eighth commercial in a five, six minute commercial block. Nobody is watching. You mean live or fast? Live, yeah. Or, or if it's even if it's live, okay, you go into a commercial break, and I bet you 80% of the audience, they now know, oh, okay, this is gonna be like one of those five minute things. They go to the kitchen, they surf, they check their email. It's like they're not sitting there watching your commercial. Yeah, but if you're you're looking at your phone or even if the kitchen is near where your TV is, you're hearing, you know, you're hearing the commercial. Um, That's really what's important. Um, You're still getting more people that way than uh, any other way. Um, so I'm not saying it's perfect. I do not, I will not, I have not watched Better Call Saul 
and seeing, well, I've seen the commercials, but I'm fast forwarding through them. But still, I, I mean, even when you're fast forwarding through commercials, you're kind of like, oh yeah, that's that, that's that, that's that. Sometimes it's just reminding you of the names of things or, or you see the commercials so many times that, you know, it's like you, if you've seen it once, we, as you're fast forwarding, you're just remembering what the commercial was. You're not seeing it, but your brain is going, oh yeah, I, I know the slogan, I know the this, I know what it is. So, Well, that's uh, true, but I'm sure there's been research studies to show if there is a commercial block and there are 12 commercials in a six-minute block, that if you are the first commercial or the second commercial you're going to have a lot more impact than if you're eight or nine or 10. Okay. I'm, I'm going to counter that. Okay. And I do fast forward through commercials. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times I'll go beyond, right? In other words, I'll, I go, Oop, I stop and I'm in, I'm like 10 seconds into the show. And I, so what I'll do is I'll go back 30 seconds and I'll see the last commercial. Okay. And I'll go, you know what? Now, what a lot of uh, networks do, which is a mistake, kind of, is that last thing they show you is a promo for another one of their shows. Mm-hmm. They should actually put a commercial there. Mm-hmm. So this way, you know, so this way when you go back, which I believe, again, uh, show of hands to your audience, but I believe <laughs> yeah. a lot of people a lot of people do. Is, I do that too, but my my back skip is 10 seconds. So I no, just I, I just get the the end, you know, of uh, you know side effects could include death. Okay, thank you. Okay, <laughs> but but what I'm saying is, you know, that last commercial is sometimes it all depends on the show and you know how you're trained to know when it's going to go into a commercial break. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I watch a dirty little secret. Uh, my wife and I watch Ninety Day Fiance, and if you watch it you know exactly when they're going to commercials because they always say coming up. So you go, okay, mm-hmm. you know, so there's nothing I'm going to see here that I'm not going to see when it comes back. And they always end with a promo for another one of their shows. So I know once I see that promo, I'll slow, you know, I'll go, okay, even though I'm doing 30 seconds at a time, I'll go, okay, I know if I go another 30 seconds, I'm going to be, not that there's anything on 90 Day that's worth Uh Uh but you know my point is that there there are cues that uh most people have uh for the shows that they watch and i say one cue at the end of a commercial break is it's usually a promo a promo for a show on that on that network yeah well i drive my wife crazy because whenever we start watching a show i will go and now (laughs) <laughs> and now jeopardy yeah. and now hacks yeah right. okay okay yeah well we tuned it in Your discretion advised yeah <laughs> so netflix uh about a month or so ago had this huge crash uh in the stock market yeah um I mean, I kind of liken it to the dot-com phrase where you knew at some point the bubble was going to have to burst. They're spending billions and billions and billions and billions on all of these shows, and you're figuring, well, they can't be making much more money than than what they're spending. 
and and now people are starting to say, well, maybe streaming isn't the answer. That isn't the model. What is your take on the whole Netflix situation? Well, I re- I remember when um, I think it was Disney pulled the Marvel shows from Netflix because mm-hmm. Netflix used to have you know, Daredevil and all those shows, right? And I remember thinking that, well, that's the beginning of the next transformation, which is, well, if Netflix can stream, why can't I? You know, and um, I started to realize that um, if if you own programming and you can't figure out how to monetize it in your own, on your own streaming service, you got a problem. So. Um, I, I felt that at some point Netflix had to realize, well, the gravy train, the, 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 the ride is over in terms of buying or, or other entities seeing Netflix is where they park their programming. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've seen. Mm-hmm. You know, slowly they lost friends as well. And everything, other yeah, big every, hits, yeah. everything is, go- everything is coming home mm-hmm. <laughs> in a matter of speaking. And Netflix at that point realized that, well, the only way we're going to survive is by making original programming. So, you know, it started with a drip, like shows like House of Cards and Barnes is the New Black. And, and it would, Netflix was kind of seen as the, the quality streaming network. And, um, you know, this is, this is where you go for the high-end stuff to what they are now, which is international crime shows and detective shows and and they so netflix strategy to me at least as an outsider was bulk in other words i don't care if it's good or not i just have to buy up everything i can from all over the world so that when you you come to netflix you're bombarded with programming to the point where you almost sometimes you throw up your hands and you go, I'm going to go over to Discovery Plus or I'm going to go over to HBO Max because there's just too much here. And they, they don't do a very good job of telling you what anything is. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think that they, they got to that point. And then at some point, um, they realized that they're spending all this money and they're really not what they used to be. It's really just it's everything starts to just look cheaper. And a lot of people, there's a lot, a lot of people, especially in this country, don't like watching dub shows, don't like watching subtitled shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there, you know, and, and ironically, the stuff that I think works best on Netflix is the stuff you can get on broadcast homes, you know, like a show like Virgin River, which can easily, there's a bunch of female skewing shows on netflix that are no different than what the broadcast networks put on or what some of the uh, the basic cable channels put on so they don't they've lost a lot of their uniqueness they're just like a they're 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 like amoeba records i guess (laughs) of of streaming it's like you walk in there and you're assaulted by holy shit look at all these how much look at all these albums you know and it's the same thing with netflix um and you know, they, they, they were legitimate alternatives. Uh, you know, Disney Plus is a legitimate alternative. Um, Hulu even. You know, um, in, in some ways, Hulu has, and all of them have as much quality, if not more quality programming than Netflix has. You know, Netflix in many ways has gotten out of the high-end quality 
stuff. They'll do some big shows like a Stranger Things, but they're not doing the Orange is the New Black or the House of Cards, which is what got them on the map, I think. Um, so I don't think, and the other, the other thing is, as we talked about with Tubi, and I actually pat myself on the back for this after I retired, I was on a panel on audience measurement. And I said on the panel that Netflix was going to eventually get into the advertising business and sell ads. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, nobody, I got poo-pooed for that. And then um, a colleague, a friend of mine who's in research also, and I actually infiltrated Netflix and we pitched them the idea. Of fa- this is about five years ago, the idea of fast channels. We didn't call them fast channels. What are fast channels? Oh, fast channels are uh, free advertiser-supported television. It's basically, um, if you go on um, uh, like FreeVTV or what was called IMVTV, there are channels. So in other words, you're not watching a show, you're watching a channel. Right. I see. So there could be like a whole channel of Wings episodes. Yeah, right? or it could, be, it could be Paramount Comedies. Uh-huh. Or whatever, you know, there could be channels where where you don't where you basically go to the channel. There in in wrestling, I'm involved with wrestling promotions. If you go to the channel, uh, there's like a Impact uh, TNA wrestling channel. So you go there and you'll see uh, current uh, matches and you'll see his, historical stuff. And you just basically it's more lean back rather than lean forward. You turn it on and you watch. You know, you watch it. Uh, and there were commercials. So, mm-hmm. you know, we pitched the idea to Netflix of why don't you have a mystery channel? Why don't you have a comedy channel? Why don't where you can show the first episodes of your show? So if somebody says, I like I like mysteries, I'll go on to Netflix mystery and I'll start watching it. Maybe and if I see something, you know, you have something on there where you hit button or whatever and you go and you subscribe to that show. So and again, uh, well, uh, it's not who we are. Well, that's who they are now. So um, yeah, yeah, they got to figure out who they are. And yeah, I just but, read a thing uh, a few days ago saying that they're considering live streaming shows. You mean sports? Sports? Like- well, not just sports, but like uh, an American Idol type of competition type oh, of show. So yeah. the audience could participate and again call yeah. in in real time. Yes, type of we, deal. we actually again <laughs> don't want to sound arrogant. We went into Netflix with a singing co- with I won't go into details a singing competition show. Uh, we pitched them, and when we went in, I, I said to the people I went in with, "We have to." Um, think about who they are. In other words, we, we pitched the show to NBC and ABC, and then Netflix showed some interest and said, we can't go in there and pitch this the way we would pitch this to a broadcast network. We have to think of it as a hybrid of something that people can watch at their on their own pace and something they need to watch immediately. So yeah, that'll all happen. I mean, I, I, I know you follow me on Twitter. I mean, I'm a, a strong believer that everything regresses to the mean. That Everything that broadcast television has done over its history, uh, the streamers can go, well, you know, now that I think about it, that makes sense for us. <laughs> you know, it's, it doesn't seem that, you know, commercials, okay, live, okay, you know, uh, uh, broad appeal, okay. <laughs> now, in an attempt to sort of separate themselves from the pack, Amazon 
has spent an awful lot of money to get into the NFL. And it seems to me that the NFL has been the gateway to success that when a broadcast network doesn't have the NFL, like NBC when they lost it for a while, to Fox, um, that that they're really suffering. So it's like for Amazon to get the NFL, to me, is a big deal, isn't it? Um, yeah. I, 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 I don't know if they're going to make any money off of that. Right. Uh, but um, it's, again, it's a, it's a, in a way, it's a status symbol. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm living in the, uh, the gated community now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, it, 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 you know, they can use it to promote their other shows. They can, they'll figure out ways maybe where they can, you, during commercials, you can buy stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> on Amazon. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a way of, and it's also the NFL um, kind of saying, okay, you know, we acknowledge you. We, we're aware that you guys exist, and as we go down the road, we'll um, we'll think of other. Uh, we, we might be open to deals with other streaming services. Professional wrestling is the same way. I mean, you know, the deal that um, the Peacock made uh, with uh, the WWE—it's a big deal. It really is to those to fans of the show to for Comcast to basically say we want to be the home of the WWE and um, you know, wrestling is another one of those sports that wherever, wherever there's a new iteration of media, that's what you see it there. Whether it was local television, pay-per-views, basic cable streaming, it's always part of it. So um, yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, will I watch the games on Amazon? I think they'll probably get the, the, some of the less interesting games, but if the giants are playing, I'll, I'll watch just like if the if the Mets are on Apple or Peacock or wherever the heck <laughs> you find these games now. You know, you search them out. The fans will search them out. Well, I find it interesting that Peacock and uh, Apple TV both have deals with Major League Baseball. Yes, and the Apple Friday night games are absolutely atrocious you're you're call that's a compliment actually. yes absolutely <laughs> it's just just an embarrassment yes. and the peacock with sort of the nbc oversight jason benetti as their announcer and everything the camera work everything about the the peacock sunday morning broadcast even though they're on at a ridiculous time I'm sitting here in the west coast watching baseball at 8 30 in the morning it's like i should be in hawaii um but those are really well mounted games i wonder okay is that gonna make a difference to fans well uh you know it's it's a testament to the importance of of having a sports pedigree mm-hmm uh, to, to do, I think it will in the sense that um, after watching, I did out of curiosity watch the first. It might, might have been the I can't remember if it's the Mets. So watch the first um, game on Apple, and I mm-hmm. said never again. I said I'm not <laughs> watch this crap, you uh-huh. know. Whereas I thought, and I was wrong. I was actually looking forward to this Sunday on Peacock because I thought the Mets were on because the way they were talking and they were Howie Rose was just talking about how with Peacock doing the games Major League Baseball's changed the start times of 
mm-hmm. all the other guys. Yeah, I, thought yeah. the Mets were, I thought the Mets were on Peacock. So I was actually looking forward to seeing, oh, are they going to have Keith? Are they going to have Gary? Uh, not Gary, uh, um, Ron, who's going to be the announcer. I think it's a very smart thing to have somebody from each team because, in a way, it creates a little bit of conflict uh, between the analysts. Um, and uh, so I'll watch a, a game on Peacock, even if it's not the Mets, but there's no way I will watch Apple. And even with football, you know, I think unless it's a meaningful game and a lot of those games on Amazon are probably not going to be, I haven't seen the schedule, are probably not going to, they're going to be Jacksonville Jaguars versus the, you know, Carolina Panthers or it's something. the greatest, that's the yeah. greatest rivalry in sports. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, you know, what do I know? Uh, I, I'm I'm not going to make the effort. Whereas when it was on Fox, I would make the effort. Just okay, it's easy. Boom. <laughs> now, now I got to go. Yeah, man. You know, why to watch that game? Uh, no. Do you ever foresee a day when the Super Bowl will be behind a paywall? <sighs> I no. I see a day where the Super Bowl can be augmented behind a paywall. In other words, NBC has the game. Well, yeah, I guess NBC. NBC has the game, and you go to the Peacock, and for $10, and maybe they've done this already, $10, you get the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Or you get some kind of enhanced viewing of the game. You get to play. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or you get, or you, get, you know, if it's on... Um, ABC Network, you get the Manning cast on ESPN Plus for for ten dollars. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I see um, I see ways in which you can augment live sports with some bonus that hardcore fans might go, ah, ten bucks, I'll you know be fun to watch it that way. Where you get all the same commercials, you know you. The the, the the center is that, but you do get the sidelines or you get something. Um, obviously, you got to be careful because you don't want the other team watching it and finding out the play calling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to be careful about some of those things. But there's, there's ways to. So I think you'll see augmented. I think you'll see things like enhanced sports viewing will become a regular thing. And final question. In the past... It has always been a pendulum, like back and forth. You know, a comedy's dead in 1981, and then Cheers and Cosby, and all of a sudden, you know, there's 14 comedies on every network. Um, do you think comedies will come back? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I mean, uh, I'm old enough, as are you, <laughs> to remember to, to see these swings. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's like... Does comedy come back? I think it takes a comedy. Right. Just like a a hit to, yeah. 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 It takes something to say, okay, it's not even that they've reinvented, but, you know, okay, this person's touched the, this show has touched the nerve and let's, let's do more of them. You know, you know, television is the greatest form of flattery uh, or imitation is the greatest form of television. I should (laughs) say. In other words, it's always been the case that, when something works, everybody runs to that side of the boat. And then when you all run to that side of the boat, it's not all going to be that good. 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes it takes years. I mean, as I said, you know, lost revived science fiction until everybody realized running it outside of the boat. It's not science fiction. Right. You know? And how many faux friends right, right. were there over like a 10-year period? Well, Wild Oats. If you remember when the same year Friends came out, Fox did a comedy called Wild Oats, which mm-hmm. was exactly Friends. And mm-hmm. one part, then the other became a mega hit. So it's right. the same thing with The Cosby Show. You know, it, it, they're not all going to work, but I think what it, it takes is... I don't think anything's dead until somebody come some somebody walks into whether it's a network, whether it's a cable channel, whether it's a streaming service, and pitches something. And there's this, an executive there smart enough to say, you know what, this could be the one. You know, this could this could be the one that brings this revives this. Same thing with game shows. Remember, they went away for a while, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, I, I can't remember which one it was, but they, they came back. Oh, who wants to be a millionaire? You know, that suddenly becomes, and again, I'll keep saying this, it's, you have to understand why it worked. <laughs> you know, I mean, I remember when, when who wants to be that it was the reason why it worked was it was ordinary people in extraordinary situations. And then a show heroes came along, which seemed like it had nothing to do with who wants to be a millionaire. But we did some focus groups on that ordinary people, in extraordinary situations. So it's always about understanding deeper. What is it? What is this touching in people? It's a game show, but it's not really a game show. It's a science fiction show, but it's not really a science fiction show. What is it doing? I'm curious to see how Quantum Leap performs because Mm -hmm. Quantum Leap was another one of those shows that was science fiction, but it wasn't really science fiction. No, it really wasn't. no, and and, and um, an anthology more than anything else. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what they how they handle that show. Okay, so what was Cheers? Cheers was um, what I call um, the thing about Cheers is just the same thing about Friends is people together versus people. Comedy is where it's about people who already know each other, care about each other. Uh, and then an element is introduced. But friends, cheer starts with a bunch of people hanging out at a bar. Oh, mm-hmm. well, I hang out at a bar. You know, I can hang out at a bar. They all seem to like each other. They're interesting characters. As opposed to what I call people apart shows, where the, which are really premise pilot, comedy pilots, where, where the, um, it, it, you got to set it up. So you, it might, and the setup might be good. Usually those, those, those shows end with wait at the end. Somebody, you know, after you set up things, somebody will either go wait or, well, maybe we can work this out. And when I would see those pilots when I was in the business, I would go, I have no idea what the show is. Because, you know, you've, you've basically did a little play and you set it up. Now they're together. But I have no idea as opposed to Friends, a bunch of people sitting around. If you think about Friends and Cheers, they start the same way. One's in a bar, one's in a coffee shop. Right. They know each other. Uh, A foreign element was introduced. Right. Well, I remember there was a period of time when networks did not want premise pilots. Yeah. And it became very unwieldy because it's like, okay, Samantha and Darren are, (laughs) are dating, but... They got a bat, and then remember the time I didn't know you were a witch, and you did And eventually, the network just said, "Okay, go go back." That's also a high concept. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's a little different than than 
real people as opposed to witches and uh, Martians and and Alf and things like that. Where uh, you know, Alpha's high concept. I I, I didn't realize. There'll <laughs> be there'll be dissertations written about Alpha. By the way, Alpha's funny. It was hilarious. <laughs> I came across one of those in the middle of the night, and I just started watching it, and I found myself laughing. Well, I was I was at the since it's upfront week. I was at one of Brandon Tartikoff's marathon upfront presentations, which he used to do at the Waldorf in New York. And the year that Alf um, came on the schedule, Alf was there, and he was up in the balcony somewhere, and he and Brandon did like a five minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, those were those were the showmanship days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those days were a lot more fun. Yeah, today I think Fox isn't even announcing a schedule. Then I understand why. But then I say, oh, well, we'll put some shows on. Don't worry. Right. We'll fill up fifteen hours. Right. Well, Preston, this has been great. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Ken. Really appreciate it. Was I right? What an interesting interview, Preston Beckman. And we've had him on, I try to get him on like once a year because he always has different things, different insights and the business keeps changing. And we here at Hollywood and Levine want to make sure that we stay up with the latest advances in television. You know, it's, a, it's, it's our duty to you the faithful listener. Anyway, our thanks as always to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, Howard Hoffman, Bruce and Jason Miller, also John Wolfert. If you want to get in touch with me, my email address is hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That's hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. Haven't plugged this in a while, but I could use a five-star review on Apple. It just helps bring uh, more ears to this podcast. I am on Twitter at Ken Levine. I am on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. Again, thanks so much for listening. More good stuff next week right here on Hollywood and Levine. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.